Well, thank you, Clint. I appreciate that. What a warm well, welcome. Yeah. Thanks, boss. All right. So uh, thank you very much again. Thank you for being here. I was blessed to meet several new families this morning. You guys, we're so excited you're here. Uh, we are excited for the people who have been here before as well. So again, thank you guys very much uh, for being here this morning. Dave is away. He'll be back next week. And uh, we'll be excited to have Dave back. This week, you got to deal with me. Good news is we're just going to read from the Bible. So uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a good time together. And I really appreciate it. So appreciate the opportunity. Let's start with a prayer. Dear God, thank you so much for these people. This is your church, God. These people love you. And we praise you for the opportunity to come and worship you together to read your word to learn just a little bit more about what it is that you have to say to us. And God, I pray that we'll leave here today with more energy uh, than ever for what it is that you're calling us to do. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for who you are and for what you've done. And it's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Okay. So this morning, we are <clears throat> going to work through only five verses. So we have five verses that we're going to talk about. If you have your Bible... Please open that. If you don't, right here on the screen, you're going to see the five verses. You're going to notice that I'm kind of, I'm not great with my vision, so glasses, and I'll be reading here a lot. Um, but we have five verses, so let's read through those to start this morning. So from 2 Timothy 4, we're going to read the first five verses, uh, and they start verse 1. 2 Timothy 4, verse 1. I solemnly charge you. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And that's God's word for God's people. So I want to start this morning. Oh, first of all, the point is that evangelism does begin um, disciple making does begin with evangelism and it ends with evangelism as well and we'll be talking about that but I want to start this morning by asking you a question have there been people in your life that with a single word or maybe a phrase could grab your attention such that whatever they said next you weren't gonna miss maybe someone said to you this might be a parent I tell you, if you, you're going to listen to the next words. Someone might have said to you, from the bottom of my heart, they got you. You're going to listen, right? Can you think of somebody who could do that? I remember growing up that in a, a, a Baptist church in Brunswick, Georgia, First Baptist Church, Dr. Hugh Garner, it was hot outside. It's 100 degrees. It was cool. felt great inside. And we had pews, and they were padded. And I would sit in the pew, and I remember that some point during the sermon, I might start to get a little too comfortable. And I remember that Pastor Garner, Dr. Garner, would say, 
listen. Are you listening? Goodness gracious. I would think he was talking to me right where I was sitting. And he would catch my attention. Whatever he said next, I was on it. My grandfather, my mom's dad, later in life, he had had throat cancer, had some surgery, and he spoke almost in a whisper. But if he shook his head and said, listen, you did. And whatever he said next was important. It was very important. My grandmother, who was my dad's mom, was about 4'10". So she was a little lady, but man, was she driven, and she was a force. I remember that if my grandmother said, your first name, Patrick, you were going to pay attention to what she said next. She was that kind of command presence. I remember one time standing in her living room, and my uh, nephew, John, who was about six feet at the time, uh, about 16 years old, was messing around doing something, and my grandmother and I were talking about something, and she said, John. And he didn't exactly stop what he was doing. My grandmother grabbed John by his earlobe like that and pulled him down for a little face-to-face -face conversation. I promise you, she had John's attention. And from that day forward, if she said John, guess what? He wanted to hear what she said next. That's what Paul is doing in this first verse. So if you'll read with me, uh, 2 Timothy 4, verse 1, Paul says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. Guys, you can't get much stronger than that. He's saying by God Almighty. He's saying by Jesus Christ, who, oh, by the way, is going to judge the living and the dead, and he will. He's coming back. And by his appearing, by the power of his resurrection, and by the kingdom of God. Now, to, you may know this, but to the Israelites, to the Jewish people, that was huge because kingdom of God was synonymous with victory of God's people, which was coming. So they were always thinking about the kingdom of God and its coming. Paul can't be stronger than this. In fact, in one of the versions I read, it may show you here, it may not. One of the versions, oh, let's go forward one slide, if you don't mind. Yeah, in one of the versions I read of the Bible, it said, I cannot impress upon you too strongly what I'm about to say. So do I have your attention? I mean, does Paul have Timothy's attention here? He can't call down more force to what he's about to say. This is very, very important. So what does he say? Verse 2, he says, let's just read the first part of it. He says, preach the word. Preach the word. Now, in other versions, make known the gospel. Proclaim the message. Guys, how quickly do I read over that? Preach the word. Read the, you know, make known the message. Make known the gospel. How quickly do I run through that? But wait a minute, Paul just called down all the power that he possibly could to tell me this could not be more important. Right? And I just read through it quickly. Don't. It's a big deal. So, the Greek for uh, preach is actually kairuso, and I know it says caroso, but it's kairuso, 
And it, said, and it means to make known. It means to preach. It means to herald. I met someone in the lobby who's visiting this morning who's, uh, who grew up overseas, and her tongue would have been more likely to say herald, to herald, to make known, right? So that's what he's saying here, make known the gospel. So, you know, as I read that, as I read preach the word, I want to make sure that I'm not missing the full impact here. Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever in your life had the opportunity to tell some really great news? Wasn't that exciting? Wasn't that fun? So think about it. Maybe if you're a, if you're a student, you made really good grades. And you couldn't wait to tell your parents about these good grades. Maybe you made a team that you went out for. Maybe you got promoted. Maybe you got engaged. Maybe you found out you were about to have a child. You couldn't wait to tell that information, right? How did that feel? Felt great. All right, here's a fun slide. All right, so on the right, this is my grandchild. Uh, she is a year and two months old. Dave talks about his grandson every week. I get to do it. That's my granddaughter, Ivy, okay? When I heard about Ivy and her imminent birth, I couldn't have been more excited. I couldn't wait to tell my mom about Ivy and her coming. I couldn't wait to tell Sophie and Luke about Ivy's coming. Wow, that felt great. Uh, when Morgan, our oldest daughter, got accepted to medical school, I couldn't wait to tell people. And there's a little bit of pride in that, I apologize. But more than anything, I was just excited for her and to tell people about it. Now, on the left, your right of the screen, Amy and I finally relented after a promotional campaign that went on for months and decided to allow for our kids to have a dog. When we got to tell our kids yeah, that they were going to have a dog. Oh, my, what exciting news. They couldn't wait. They were so excited. By the way, that's Buddy, and my wife calls him Mr. Butters. Uh, so, it, listen, if I can't get your favor, if I can't garner your favor with a baby and a puppy, I'm in trouble, right? I mean, maybe dolphins or a panda or something, but I can't do much more than a baby and a puppy. All right, But the point here is how excited we are to tell this kind of great news, right? You know where I'm going to go here. The greatest news you could ever possibly tell is that a Savior has come. Is that Jesus Christ has come to the world. And guys, this is not news that just makes you happy for a day or for a short period of time or maybe even for your life here. This is news that changes your eternity. And we have the opportunity to share that. Wow. We have the opportunity to share the greatest news of all time. So how badly is this needed? How badly in our world today is this good news needed? Well, here's a kind of a scary statistic. And let me interpret it for you just a little bit. So in 1992, 30% of the people in the United States said, we have nothing to do whatsoever with a church. 
Now, this is not people who were saying they were members of a church or that they went every week or that they were Christians. Any church, any type, 30% of the country said no association at all with the church. Last year, over half of the country, over half of the country said, 54% of the country said, I have nothing to do with any church whatsoever in the United States. I don't go to Sunday. I don't go to Wednesday. I don't do anything that would affiliate me in any way, shape, or form with a church. That's where we are today. So, I mean, the need, wow, the need for people who will preach the gospel is amazing right now and just exponentially getting more and more important, right? So if you're a person, let me do this first. If you're a person who feels called to the ministry, vocationally, meaning a job, right? If you're thinking, whatever age I am, wherever I am in society, God may be calling me into the ministry. Please listen. Please pray. If we can help you, talk to Dave, talk to me, talk to Clint, talk to someone who might be able to discern if God is calling you into the ministry. We need you. Okay? So please hear that. But wait a minute. You're saying, I don't feel called to the ministry. I'm not a preacher. Let me ask you this. Do you think that we all preach in the same way? Do we all make disciples in the same way? Obviously not. But can God use you to show the love of Jesus to someone in your community? Does God call you to show the love of Jesus to those around you? How did Jesus say that his disciples would be known? By the way that they loved one another and those around them. Is that how people know you? Is that what is flowing through me, the love of Jesus? And is it possible that God might even use you through the power of the Holy Spirit, not through your own power, through the power of the Holy Spirit to lead someone to him? Is that possible? Let me assure you it is. Let's, let's think about this. Has God ever used people who are underqualified or unqualified to do something? Well, that's the way he does things, right? I mean, let's look at Moses in the Old Testament. You know this, right? Moses was on the wrong side of the wilderness, the desert. He was 80 years old. That's even older than I am. He had a speech impediment, right? And he had been thrown out of the very country that God asked him to go back to. Now think about that. The man's 80 years old. He can't even speak well. Getting across the desert itself, right? What did Moses say? Did he say, yeah, let's go? He said, well, you and I would probably say, uh, wrong guy. Sorry, God. You know, I, I, I'll be glad to help you wherever I can, but do you know that I'm 80 years old? And God said, Moses, I can take that stick in your hand and lead people out of Israel. It's not about you. It's about me. And Moses said, okay, let's give it a shot. And so God took Moses. He stood in front of the most powerful man in all the world who could have lifted his finger and had Moses killed, right? And 
He stood in front of that man and said, you're going to let God's chosen people go. You're going to let the Israelites go so that they can do what God is calling them to do. You're going to let go of your whole workforce and you're going to let them go. That's what he did through the power of God. And of course, God came through. How about in the New Testament? God choose people who are super qualified. How about the disciples? These are young, probably teenager, uneducated fishermen. Young, uneducated fishermen. Oh yeah, by the way, a tax collector, who's the most hated guy in all society, right? He used these guys to change the world. I mean, to change the world, to start the church and to change the world. Can God use you? You know that he can, and he will. So, I want to ask you if you think, those of you who know us, do you think that Amy and I show God's love in the same way? Well, if you know me at all, you know the answer to that is no. My wife is a very caring, loving, empathetic person who will take a walk with ladies and just love every minute of it, every step. She will listen to you. She will empathize with you. She'll build a long-term relationship and show you the love of Jesus. And she'll also drip in the gospel and if the Holy Spirit provides the opportunity, lead you to Jesus. Well, guys, don't wait around for me to ask you to go on a walk. Not happening. Just not who I am, right? Now, I might ask you to go to lunch. like to eat. might ask you to go to lunch, but I'm just as likely to have a conversation with you and talk about the love of God and talk about Jesus and faith right on the spot. Because that's who I am. We're very different, right? Are you uniquely gifted and made by God in such a way that he can use you as only he can for only the opportunity that he places before you to show his love to someone, to lead someone to Jesus? He can. So let's look at a little bit of support here. Um, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. You recognize this as the great commission, right? So, Jesus, do you notice he started the same way Paul did? All authority on heaven in, has been given to me in heaven and on earth. What did he just say? He said, I'm God. Pay attention to what I'm about to say to you. This is critically important. Pay attention. And then what does he say? Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have taught you, and lo, I am with you even until the end of the age. Right? It's the same command. Go and make disciples. Tell people about me. Tell people that I love them. Tell people that I've come to save them. So Paul, I mean, Jesus said the same thing that Paul did. Now, the Greek for go here is, one more slide, there you go, thank you, is as you are going. Have you heard that before? So when he says go and make disciples, 
yes, there are missionaries. Um, I think Jim Workus came back from Africa, and he goes to Africa several times a year. We have other missionaries within our church. We're very thankful for these guys. They are phenomenal. Are we all called to be missionaries? Well, not, not in the traditional sense of the word, right? We're missionaries where we live. We believe, and we say here in the church at Good News, that we're called to be missionaries where we work, live, and play. So in your job, in your neighborhood, and where you play. Now, for most of us, a lot of us, that means where our kids play. Uh, yeah, we have hobbies. Maybe we play golf or something. But truthfully, most of the time where we play is more like where our kids play baseball or soccer or whatever it is they do. But where we work, live, and play, right? So I've been amazed lately. I have to tell you, and, it, and it's not like I'm super, I have some kind of super talent or ability, but God uses you. I, I remember right before uh, I left the corporate world, I was on an airplane and I was reading the Bible, backseat on a plane, and a guy looked over my so shoulder and started asking me questions. And before I knew it, God had opened a gospel conversation. And this guy, I ended up giving him my Bible. It's just one of those little travel Bibles. But I gave him my Bible, and I believe this guy gave his life to Jesus. I didn't do anything. I just read, I was just reading the Bible. Not too long ago, I was raking leaves in the front yard. And a neighbor of mine stopped and asked me about faith. And he said, you know, tell me about this church thing and what you guys are doing. Wow, what an opportunity. That's amazing. And I got to tell you, a couple of months ago, I had a guy come up to me at practice, baseball practice. I talk about it like it's my practice. My kid's baseball practice. And, um, and asked me the same type of question. And he said, you know what? I think something's missing. I mean, I have everything. He's white collar. He has a great job. He's doing really well. He has a beautiful family. Something's missing. I want to talk about that. Wow. This is the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus in Revelation 3.16 knocking on the door. Right? It's my job to say, behold. He's knocking on the door. Right? Listen. Because you're right, you are missing something. You're actually missing everything, okay? And I didn't always know that, and you probably didn't either. But it's just amazing to me how this happens. And I'll leave you with this one because I can't help but tell you this story. So real quickly, uh, a girl came up to me, a teenage girl, while I was standing in the concession line. And I mean, it was crazy. If you've been to baseball games with your kids, you know it can be crazy. So there's a game happening here, there, and behind me. There are kids everywhere. It's craziness. And this girl, who's the sister of a, of a guy that I know, a good friend of mine, stops everything for me and says, hey, tell me about Jesus. Great, damn, I'm standing in line. I'm about to buy a hot dog. You know, there's craziness going on all around me. And, and that's where the Holy Spirit opens the door where I worked, where I lived, where I play. And I'm not doing anything crazy. It's not like I have some kind of gifting. I'm just there. It's God. It's God doing it, right? 
Praise God, she came to Jesus. She really did. Um, so that was amazing. Let's jump quickly through our other verses here. Let's get through the second half of uh, Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy 4.2. And here, actually, let's read the whole verse. God, uh, Paul says to Timothy, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Okay, so be ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready when that teenage girl stops you in the lobby? Are you ready? I'm not always ready. I'm just not, but I try to be. And here's, here's one of the main reasons why. Next slide, Jim, if you don't mind. So the opportunity, instead of thinking about obeying the command of Jesus and obeying what Paul called us to, which is obedience, and that's love, and it's true, you realize what an opportunity you have here? You have an opportunity to see what the Holy Spirit does firsthand. You get to see it. You get to be a part of it. You also get to mature in your faith. You get to grow in your faith and become much more confident about sharing your faith. Isn't that amazing that you have that opportunity? The third opportunity is around experiencing the joy of living out our purpose. Now, do you remember, if you're old enough, in the 80s, late 80s, 90s, there was a campaign that Nike put together and it was about being in the zone. You're in the zone. And that's still, there's still a piece of that that flows today. I remember Michael Jordan doing uh, this thing. He went like, and it was after he made, I think, his 63rd point on a crazy shot in a game that the Bulls were playing. He makes this shot, and he's like, I, I don't even know how that's happening. Because he was in the zone. He was in the zone. Guys. In the zone. This is the zone for which we were created. This is why we're here. And, and I can tell you, just from experiencing myself, when God is calling you and you're answering, you can't compare that with anything else. You just can't. You're in the ultimate zone. So I want to throw a quote up here for you. This is one of uh, Pastor Dave's favorite theologians, Westminster uh, Theological Seminary, multiple books, Jack Miller. Jack Miller says it like this. The command to go to the nation is not one command among many. It's the master command of Jesus, the master command of Jesus. If we do not obey this command, we're living out of accord with our whole reason for being here. Out of accord. If we don't obey that command, that's why we're here. Fantastic quote. So, Dave will love that I use Jack Miller, by the way. Um, but it's not always easy to share the truth, is it? It's just not always easy. Do you think our world's becoming more receptive to the truth? You heard Clint talking about the truth. Man, we are less willing to hear the truth every day. Less less willing without a doubt. So let me ask you this quickly, and just bear with me if you've heard the story before, but let me give it to you quickly. Two brothers, Jack and Anthony. Jack and Anthony are good, pretty good kids, but actually they cause so much trouble in the church that it's amazing, okay? They're six and four, they're wild. 
Their family is a great Christian family. And when they're with the family, gosh, they behave. But when they're off somewhere else, oh my. Finally, it's so bad one day that, that after uh, the main service and Jack and Anthony have caused a lot of trouble, the teacher gets with the parents. They decide to take the boys to see the pastor. The pastor says, Anthony, you sit outside of my, chair, out of my office here in a little chair. I'm going to take Jack inside. We'll talk, and then I'll come get you. So he takes Jack inside, and he says, Jack, where do you think God is? Now, his point's going to be God is everywhere. He can see him no matter what. No answer. He says, Jack, where, where do you think God is? No answer. And finally, the pastor says, Jack, where is God? Jack's eyes get big. He jumps up out of his chair. He runs out of the office. He grabs Anthony by the arm. He says, Anthony, we got to get out of here. God's missing, and they're trying to blame it on us. <laughs> so is that what's going on? Is God missing? Has God pulled back from our society? Is he missing? Or is something else going on? Let's read two more verses. So in 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4, Paul says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they'll accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and will turn their ears away from the truth, and will turn to myths. Another version says, they'll accumulate, NIV says, they will accumulate teachers only who tell them what they want to hear. Does that sound familiar? Is that what we see in our world? Here are a couple of quick examples. So, wait a minute. No, it's all right. You can go back to that real quick, if you don't mind, Jimmy. I forgot to tell you. Another chance to use a couple of Greek words. Um, Pseudo-didaskalos and heterodidaskalos, false teachers and false teaching, is so commonly quoted throughout the Bible as a danger for us, as a challenge for us, that there's actually a list of top 14 verses. Don't worry, we're not going to read them all. Just understand that false teaching and false teachers from the beginning of time all the way through Revelation, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. Now let's look at the examples, if you would, uh, Jimmy. So, on creation, the Bible tells us God created the heavens and the earth. Have you ever heard bang? There were some materials floating in the cosmos and they came together and crashed and formed everything that we know it with all the intricacies. On man, God, the Bible says, created man in his own image, right? But your kids might hear in school, we evolved from an animal, right? And third, and most tragically, I mean, they're all tragic, but most tragically probably is, what do people believe about eternity and death? The Bible says there's a real heaven and there's a real hell. And Jesus is coming back. There will be a judgment day. Most people, if you just take this world bar, uh, worldwide Barna survey, will tell you, well, we think that we go to a better place. And then there's a good group of people who say, nah, you just die and go into dirt. It's over. Right, Adam? So, that's a lot of people just believe. Isn't that sad? But it's absolutely true. 
What's even more concerning today is the myths and the lies, the outright lies that we're hearing with regard, with regard to core truths, creational truths about gender, about marriage, about prosperity, and even about the love of God. I mean, God loves us. Grace must be there. It's there for me every day. Thank the Lord. And there's also truth. And you can't compromise the truth. And we'll talk a little bit more about that, but I would submit to you that God's not missing at all. Um, I believe that the most effective lies we ever hear, and this is what Satan did with Jesus when he tempted him, the most effective lies are based on partial truth. They're motivi motivated by sinful desire, but they lead to bondage and death. And the truth of Jesus sets us free to be all that God has called us to be. Satan, Satan is a liar. Satan's a deceiver. And Jesus tells us the truth. Very quickly, two verses, John 8.32 and John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Right? Set you free. That's what that truth that Clint was talking about, that's what it does. It sets us free from the lies. Jesus goes on in 10.10, John 10.10, to say, The thief, that is Satan, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus has come to give us life and life to the full. Some versions say life abundantly. But Jesus has come... To give us that peace, to give us the peace that is missing, life and life to the full. So, bottom line, Jesus sets us free. And let's read our final verse here. Paul brings it all back together in verse 4, 5, uh, 2 Timothy 4, 5. And he says, but you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So what's the work of an evangelist? We think you can summarize it like this. It has to do with cultivation and planting and reaping, right? So cultivation is about the love of Jesus flowing through us by the work of the Holy Spirit to others. That's cultivation. That's building friendships. Jesus built relationships. Jesus had love. We have the love of Jesus flowing through our hearts. It should be evident. People in our, in our neighborhoods, people in everywhere in our work, life, and play should see the love of Jesus. What's the ultimate expression of our love of Jesus? Share Jesus with them. We tell them the truth. We tell them the good news, and that's the planting, right? So planting has to do with the love of Jesus working through us to make him known to the lost, right? And then reaping is where we get to be involved with bringing the dead to life. So that's, that's the work of an evangelist. That simple. It, it doesn't mean that you have to do what our good friend Ronnie Lester did so well. You don't have to go downtown necessarily and, and evangelize on the street. Now, he was gifted in that. Wow, I saw it. It was amazing. 
Many of you have seen it as well. But you don't have to evangelize in that way. You have to evangelize. One, because we're called to it. And two, because it's the amazing opportunity. You've got the, you've got the truth. You have the gift. You have to share it. We all have to share it. And we're called to do that. So, let me hit this quote real quick. Try to get out of the way. Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon. Again, Dave will love this. Charles Spurgeon, the greatest preacher probably from the 1800s and still quoted today, most of all, said it this way. We, we, all we have to do, we have but to constantly tell the matchless story of Jesus and we may expect to see the most remarkable spiritual results. We just have to show the love of Jesus. We just have to tell people about Jesus. The results are the work of the Holy Spirit, right? So in Revelation 3.16, when, when Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Don't miss that word, behold. That's my part. Hey, listen, somebody's knocking at the door. Jesus will do the rest. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that changes hearts, right? What an amazing opportunity we have. Okay, so let me ask you, what does this mean to you? What, what about you? I, want, I really want all of us to think about this as we leave. Is there, is there someone with whom you could cultivate a friendship? Is there someone in your world that you could show the love of Jesus today? They need for you to do that today. Second, is there someone in your world where you live, work, and play who you just care too much about not to tell? Yeah, I know there's risk. But do you just care too much about them not to tell them the truth about Jesus? most important thing in your life. So, would you ask Jesus to help you? Because if you don't, if you try to do it through your own power, it's tough, right? We have to have the power of the Holy Spirit to share the love of Jesus as he would have us share it and to share him throughout our world, right? So, count on it. Pray for it. Have faith and let God work through you. And I'll, I'll close with this. I confess, as I said before, I've not always been ready. In fact, there are times in my life when I've led people in the wrong direction. And I'm sorry for that. Good news is, God's purposes will be accomplished without me. God steps in and does what he's going to do without us, right? But wow, what an opportunity to be a part of what he's doing, to obey him, to experience living in the zone, that to which we are called. Oh, man, I still miss opportunities, but I pray that I want. I pray that I want. And, you know, that's why we were created. So to fulfill our ministry... We got to love God so much that his love flows through us to everybody around us. And we got to love our neighbors so much that we're willing to share Jesus with them. Love God. 
love your neighbor, right? So Jesus invites for us, invites us, and he allows for us to join him on this great adventure. And he promises to be with us, with us, even until the end of the age. As you've heard teams and others, and if you watched college football yesterday, you heard people say what I'm about to say to you right now. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Pray with me if you will. God, we're humbled that you love us so much that you're willing to send your son to die for us, to take our place. God, let us be bold with your love. We pray that your love will flow through us in a mighty way to those around us such that they want to want to know how is this possible. And God, we pray that we'll share you with them change their eternity through the power of your Holy Spirit, Jesus. We love you, Father. We praise you for this opportunity. And it's in your holy name that we pray. And before we sing and go, amen. And before we pray and go, let me just say this. If you don't know Jesus, it's as simple as admitting you're a sinner and you can't get there without him, believing that he died on the cross for you, and he rose again, and he's God's son, and asking him to come into your life. Asking him, would you show me the way? Yeah, hey, I know something's missing. It's clear to me that something is missing. Guys, everything is missing if you don't have Jesus. If I can help you pray that prayer, or Dave, or Clint, or one of our elders, please stop us. But if you don't know Jesus, I pray that you will.